So welcome to Spark. We're having a little bit of a different Sunday today. My dear friend, Rabbi Ari, who's around here somewhere. There he is. Um, he is the Rabbi Emeritus here at Congregation Eitz Chaim, where we rent space here for the last five and a half years. And Ari has volunteered to come and teach us about the wonderful holiday of Purim. Rabbi Ari and I, Ari and I are very, uh, we've been friends for a long time. And in that time, we've had the opportunity to have lots of fun adventures together. And one of the adventures we had just last year that was so fun was we led a joint Israel tour to, well, a joint tour to Israel for the Jew, Jewish members and friends of Eitz Chaim and the Spark members and friends um, here. And so together, Jewish Christian tour. And so last year, this time, we were actually in Israel for this Feast of Purim, which is a really fun treat. And we had um, such a lovely time. So when it came back up to this portion of our series of This Is Our Story, we wanted to stop and tell again the story of Esther, which is what the Feast of Purim is all about. And Purim means lots. If you'll recall, they cast lots in the story, and Ari can tell us more about that later as well. And so that's why it's called Purim. So Pur is lot, and so lots, plural, Purim. So in all of that, then, we wanted to um, invite you to come. And we didn't want to just put this on for you without any of our own authority, right? Rabbi Ari is here. You've been a rabbi for many, many years. Rabbi at Hillel at Stanford and then founding rabbi here at Eitz Chaim and, and all of this other fun stuff that Rabbi Ari's been doing for many years. So we wanted to invite him to come and teach us some of the traditions and songs about the Feast of Purim. So first we have a song, yeah? Yep. And if you have a noisemaker, you'll need one because can't they do it when they're singing too, yes? Whenever you come to the name of the bad guy, which is... Haman. You make a lot of noise. It's a giant grogger up front. I'll take that one for while you're playing. Now, why do we do that? We do that because we're absolutely crazy bonkers nuts. No. No, we do that because it says in Deuteronomy to erase the memory of Haman, of, of Amalek of the Amalekites who attacked us from behind and say, what has Amalekites got to do with anything? And the answer was that Haman was an Amalekite. So we blot out his name. We erase his memory. And there are many ways to do it. One is to get so tipsy you can't tell the difference between up and down. And that blots out Haman. Or Haman well. and Mordechai. Right. Or to write it on your shoe and scrape it off your shoe like you stepped in dog do. And then, <laughs> or... That's where Haman's name or belongs. Or the other is to make noise with a ra'ashan, which is what that is. And we're going to sing a song about that, too. So just, I don't know, for those of you who don't maybe remember or know yet the Deuteronomy story, as the Israelites are, are going through the wilderness, um, trying to find their way ultimately to the land of Israel, the promised land, the Amalekites, noticing that the weak and the old were towards the back of the line, decided to pick off the Israelites as they traveled through. And so they targeted specifically the weak and the old. And it's all of that that causes then the writer of Deuteronomy to say, now the Amalekites name must be wiped off from the face of this earth. However, it doesn't happen. And so when we get to our Esther story, just very, very briefly for our fun Bible folk, 
We had King Saul, who was supposed to wipe out the Amalekites, but didn't and let the king survive. And now, later on, in the book of Esther, we have Haman, an Amalekite, who is again um, determined to try to wipe the face wipe the Israelites off the face of the earth. And so then, in return, we are going to wipe off Haman's name out of our story. Or scrape it off our shoe, either way. The, um, right. the most important thing about this, it says, blot out or erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Don't forget. <laughs> right. So you can't forget to blot out the memory, which you have to remember to right. do to blot out the memory. So right. the only people, who basically, who memory him anymore is us. So it's like, it's ridiculous. Why should we just forget it? No, you can't forget it because you have to remember to forget it. Right. It's that, very zen. Very that, zen. Very zen. And, and there's also a saying that every generation has there amongst all has risen up a Haman, someone intent to wipe off. Oh, yes. You got to do that. Yeah, yeah. Catch it. There you go. go. Haman. Very good. To wipe the Jewish people, the Israelites, off the face of this earth. And so every generation needs to be recommitted again to making sure that that doesn't happen. And we're going to sing a song in a, in a little bit where it has a chorus. And the chorus is, let's go save the Jews. And um, we recognize in our context that can sound a bit different with a group of Christians in a room saying that. And what we distinctly want you to know is that it means to preserve and save the life of not to try to go forcibly convert, because that's a whole other really bad story in our Christian history. Oh, gosh, I never even thought of it that way. <laughs> Let's go save the Jews. That is not what we are doing no, tonight. No, I got Billy Graham in my head. I <laughs> right. um, uh, and my last thing I want to say is, why is this story important to Christians? Besides the fact that it's in our Bible, it's important because without Esther, you don't have Mary, you don't have Joseph. You don't have Zachariah, you don't have Elizabeth, you don't have any of the disciples, and you definitely don't have Jesus. So if you're wondering if this is an important story to our story, the answer is yes. It's an important story to our story as well. Even though we are not necessarily, some of us in this room may be Jewish, we um, understand the great debt of honor and gratitude that we owe to the people that continue to tell our story to us today. So let me say two quick things. The first thing is... She really did a good job trying to explain the whole thing about Amalek and Haman. It takes a long time to explain it. Haman. Ah. Haman. Good. And the second thing is that why am I wearing a mask? The answer is because God is not mentioned once in the book of Esther. So it's a good book for scribes to practice on because they can't mess up God. So it's all, the only two gods that are mentioned are Esther and Mordechai. And you think, no, they're people. They're not gods. Esther is Ishtar, the goddess of love, the Babylonian name for Venus. And Mordecai is Mars, the Babylonian name for the god of war. And so Mars and Venus, or Marduk and Ishtar, or Mordechai and Esther, are the stars of the book. But God is not in there, except through the names of the Babylonian gods of love and war. Who, who are born by two Jews who save the people by being right. hidden, right. just like God is hidden. And so this time we wear masks to show that God is hidden. 
God is often between the white lines of our letters in our life, isn't God? Sometimes it's hard to find out where God is at work in this world, and it can feel like God is hidden. But when you read the book of Esther, too, I would just say it's no, it's too much, too many coincidences, too much God's hand at work. Um, so you know God is there, even though you can't see God. So it goes like this. You got that? Let's try one more time without the words because English is a really hard language. Ready? Oh, once there was a wicked, wicked man, and Haman was his name. He would have hurt all the Jews, though they were not to blame. Oh, today will marry, marry me. Oh, today will marry, marry me. Oh, today will marry, marry me. And not some hunting Before we go on, why do we eat a cookie named after Hitler? Basically. <laughs> what else are you going to do with them? I mean, let's face it. So, so in the back. So in the back there are hamantash. Now the word hamantash actually does not mean a Haman cookie. It means a poppy pocket. <laughs> so a tash is German and Yiddish for a pocket. So it's a pocket cookie and it's filled with poppy filling. And mun is a Central European word for poppy. So a muntash is a puppy pocket. And it became, according to people who have Purim on the brain, a hamantash. You missed one. So, <laughs> all right. And Esther was the lovely queen of King Ahaji, where one Haman said he kill us. Oh my, how he did scare us. Oh, today will Mary Mary be. Oh, today will Mary Mary be. Oh, today will Mary Mary be. And Nasha, Haman, Esther speaking to the king of Haman's pocket man. Aha, said he. Oh, no, he will, will spoil his bad intention. Oh, today will Mary Mary be. Oh, today will Mary Mary be. Oh, today will Mary Mary be. And Narsamantash, the guest of honor, he shall be this clever Mr. Smarty. And high above us, he shall swing at a little hanging party. Oh, today will Mary Mary be. Oh, today will Mary Mary be. Oh, today will Mary Mary be. And all his cruel and unkind ways, this little joke did cure. And don't forget, we owe him thanks for this jolly feast of poor. And oh, today will Mary Mary be. Oh, oh, today will Mary Mary be. And I said, oh, 
Now, in, uh, in Hebrew, they're not called poppy pockets. A hamantash is called an ozen haman. Ozen is an ear. It looks more like an ear than a pocket. So anyway, they're Haman's ears in, in Hebrew. Anyway, they're delicious, and there's the, some at the Now, back. the thing is, this is supposed to be a funny day. It's, it's crazy. We call it Purim Torah, which means bad jokes and weird Torah <laughs> analogies. But um, the thing that's really strange is in the end... Haman is either hanged or impaled on a pole that he built to hang or impale Mordechai on. So when we go around eating cookies and laughing, I feel kind of like the, the guy who sells refreshments at a hanging. <laughs> but, but that's the weirdness of Purim. So if you, if you let it get to you, you'll find... I mean, his, his computer didn't work today. Why? He didn't know. I did. Purim. It's just Purim. <laughs> It's, it's one of those things. Okay, next song. You got that one coming up? We got it. All right. So, yeah, Hagpurim. And this is, the chorus is, let's make noise, let's make noise, let's make a lot, a lot of noise. Havanar Isha, rush, rush, rush. Havanar Isha, rush, rush, rush. Havanar Isha, rush, rush, rush. Bara Ashanim. Try that again. Havanar Isha, rush, rush, rush. Havanar Isha, rush, rush, rush. Havanar Isha, rush, rush, rush. Bara Ashanim. This is a Ra'ashan. It means a noisemaker. Ra'ash means noise. Nar Isha means we'll make noise. We'll make noise with our noisemakers. So um, I like this one because I can turn the bad guy up, upside down if I want. Um, I do that a lot because he deserves it. All right. Uh, Follow along in Hebrew if you think so, but at least the chorus you can do. Hagpurim, Hagpurim, Hagadolhu layehudim, Masechot rashanim, Smirot rikudim. Havanarisha, rash, 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 Havanarisha, rash, 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 Havanarisha, rash, 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 Parashanim. Hagpurim, Hagpurim, ze el ze shochim manot, mahmatim, mamtakim tufinim, megdanot. Havanarisha, rash, 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 Havanarisha, rash, 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 Havanarisha, rash, 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 Parashanim. Now we're going to get down to doing the, uh, the Megillah. And let me just say, Two things about the Megillah. A Megillah is a scroll. This is a scroll. Can I ask the kids to stand up and be a scroll for a second? If you guys would just stand up. Can you all just stand up? Just can you help me help me? Just stand up and hold hands. Okay. Okay. You're gonna be the middle of the scroll. Okay? So come here. Okay, and no, 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 hold her hand, hold her hand, because you're the scroll. Now, turn around like this way. Okay, roll, walk around Molly, because she's the scroll. You stay where you are, Molly. Okay, and now you are a scroll. Okay, now I'll go the other way and unroll the scroll. Yay! So that's what a scroll is, see? My scroll... 
is all rolled up. Okay, a Megillah is a scroll. It's also Yiddish for a big deal. It's a big Megillah or a big mess. Because every, you know, every forum you have to you know, do make a mess. Work. It's a, the whole Megillah. So when you say, boy, that's a big Megillah, it means there's a big mess going on. It's also the name of a gorilla, if you remember that from a long time ago, Megillah Gorilla, but somehow that didn't find its way into the Bible. Okay, <clears throat> there are three blessings we do. I'll do them in English just quickly. Thank you, God, for ordaining that we read this scroll of Esther every year, to which you say amen. And thank you, God, for doing miracles for our mothers and fathers at this time, at that, in that time, at this season, to which you all say amen. And the other one is, thank God we all made it alive and well to this moment, to which we all say amen. Once upon a time... The other thing I want to say about Purim, I'll do things like that because I have no respect for the rules. Um, once, once upon a time, Purim is really strange. This is going to be written for kids to laugh at and for parents to understand. So if you understand a little bit more about what's going on in this story than the people, the denizens of the first row, it's because your vocabulary is bigger and your mind is incessantly dirtier. So... Once upon a time, in the time of Ahasuerus, that is the Ahasuerus, whose empire extended all the way from India to Ethiopia, 127 provinces. In the third year of his reign, the capital city of Shushan, he threw a huge party for all his ministers and nobles. Just impressed them with his fantastic wealth and greatness. This feast lasted seven full days. Everyone had all they could eat and drink from beautiful golden dishes and cups, some taken from our holy temple. The festivities went on and on and on and on and on and on. And on the seventh day, when the king was pretty drunk, he called for Queen Vashti. Vashti, by the way, means so drink. To dance before the drunken crowd dressed maybe only in her crown. Now Vashti was vastly brave, but when she refused, the king's rage boiled over. So Ahasuerush fired her as queen and banished her from Shushan forever. Now you're waiting to get to the part where you can grog the bad guy, aren't you? Chapter 3. <laughs> Not long afterwards, when the king sobered up, he wondered what the what. Now, that's a very important thing. What the what? What the what? Because the name of the bad guy is the same word in Hebrew, spelled exactly the same as mana. You know that stuff we ate in the desert for 40 years and go going like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Is there any sauce that comes with the mana? I mean, things like that. So in any case, why did they call it mana? Because they didn't know what it was. So they called it the what? Haman. No, 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 I'm talking about mana. No, I'm talking about mana. So that's exactly what it was. They called him the big what? So next time you see somebody who's bigger than his britches, you can call him Haman, because that means the big what? What? Not long afterwards, when the king sobered up, he wondered, what the what did I just do? I need a new queen. So his seven unique eunuchs advised him to bring to Shushan the most gorgeous woman. Now, I have to say that it's always strange that the word eunuch appears so many times in here. But generically, eunuch was a word for a servant of the king. It also somebody who had a very close circumcision. 
But the, but the thing is that all of these eunuchs were stationed in the harem where they wouldn't be any trouble. But they became the advisors to the king and to the Haramites on special matters of great concern to people who live in a harem. So it's just very interesting that they were the repository of this knowledge. Anyway, they, I told him to pick the new one. He lusted, loved most to be his new queen. When Mordechai the Jew heard of this, he told his cousin Hadassah. Her real name was Hadassah, which is Myrtle. Myrtle, come on over, Myrtle. No, okay. He made her hide her real name and people and call herself Esther. And Esther means both hidden and star. Esther was careful and did not tell anyone she was a Jew. Esther was the most beautiful of all home with the help of Ashgaz, the harem eunuch, again, who knew Ahasuerus' special desires. Esther won Ahasuerus' love more than all the rest. He married her and made her his queen. All the while, to keep tabs on Esther, Mordechai would sit in the gate outside the palace. Now, in case you think that this is the end of the story, hang on, there's lots to come. One day, while Mordechai was sitting in the gate, he heard two guards plotting to murder the king. Mordechai reported what he had heard and thus saved the king's life, and for this, nobody thanked him. But the story was written up or written down in the royal police blotter. Chapter 3, get your grogger ready. Sometime after this, the king appointed a new chief, Poobah, whose name was, wait for it, Haman. The king's new Poobah had a very big ego and loved to have people bow down to him. One day, he and his officers passed by Mordechai, who, who, as usual, was sitting in the palace gate. But Mordechai refused to bow down to. <laughs> you gotta keep it in your pants until it's ready. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> then the king's servants, who were in the king's gate, said to Mordechai, Why do you transgress the king's command? but he would not answer except to say that he was a Jew. Now, I could give you a long story about why he wouldn't bow down, but it turns out that Mordechai was a descendant of King Saul, who met his bad fate by not killing all the Amalekites. And because he left Agag alive, Haman, the son of Agag, was there to perplex him and bother him on the streets of Persia. When Haman saw that Mordechai did not bow, he was absolutely furious. Furious. I am with rage, I'm filled. Haman decided not to just get vengeance on Mordechai alone, but he ached to destroy all Mordechai's people, all the Jews. So Haman went to the king and slandered them, saying, Your bigness, awesome king. There's a people scattered through your empire that does not follow your laws. I don't think it profits you to tolerate them. Now, if you let me take care of the situation, they'll never bother you again. And I'll put 10,000 silver ingot pigs in your treasury for the trouble of writing this as a decree. I'm not giving it too much thought. King Ahasuerus, by the way, it's bad enough 
that, you know, she had to go through this whole harem thing, Esther did. But she married an absolute idiot. I mean, this guy is a total idiot. He's a drunken idiot. And you know how bad that is for relationships. In any case, I, I, you know, who's the bigger idiot or villain? Achashverosh or... Not giving it too much thought, King Achashverosh took his power ring off his middle finger and gave it to Haman... Son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the Jew's enemy, which promoted Haman even higher than the king told Haman to get lost because he said, I got a date with the queen, you. So Haman cast poor, that is the lot, to choose an execution day. And the lot fell on the 13th day of the 12th month which is the month Adar. The decree went out from the king all over the empire by Pony Express to kill all the Jews, men, women, and children, on the 13th day of Adar and to plunder their property. Yeah, 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 cackled Haman. And he had a 50-cubit-tall pole erected in his backyard to hang Mordecai on. Now, when the Jews heard this, they thought they were doomed for sure. But Mordecai put on sackcloth and ashes and finally got a message through to Esther saying, you got one chance to change the course of history with a herstory. Do it. Go tell the king about what this will do to you too. This may be the reason you became queen, just so you'd be able to save your people. But Esther was terrified because if she went to the king without an invitation, the penalty was death. What he had to do is he had to raise his golden scepter and point it at the person and say, okay, that, that means you can come in and I'm not going to kill you. Just because you live in the king's palace, don't think me, you'll escape any more than another Jew. So Esther sent back a note saying, I and my attendants will fast for three days then I'll go to the king, though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. There are times we sing the, the song from the Book of Lamentations, the destruction of the temple and the, and the, and the country, when it gets to parts about, in the book here that talk about our destruction. On the third day, Esther went to see the king, and he was so glad to see her that he extended his golden scepter all the way up towards her to invite her to his throne. What can I do for you, Esther? Name it, up to half my kingdom. This is a communal property country, so you got it. Sweetly, she answered, all I want, my love, is for you and... It worked. His name totally disappeared. Even though I read it out loud, I'm sure. Come over for drinks tomorrow, and the king was enthusiastic about coming to see Esther, especially if drinks were involved. That night, agitatedly anticipating a romantically intoxicated Moro. You see why the kids don't understand it? Uh, the kids could not the, the king could not sleep. So he had the boring annals of the kingdom read to him. Within the police blotter was a juicy tidbit of how Mordechai had saved his life, and excitedly he yelled out, What honor has been done to Mordechai for this? Haman just happened to be in the palace at 3 a.m. I mean, I didn't write this stuff, folks. And he came running in. What should I do for a man the king wishes the honor, Ahash Ferosh asked. Haman 
thought it would be him, so he said, Dress the man in the king's regalia and let him be led around town in the king's horse by someone yelling, This is being done to the man the king wishes to honor. Well, Achashverosh just loved it and said, Great, do that for Mordechai. Oi. Such a dishonor, mourned Haman. But he did it, getting hoarse as he yelled, saddled with unbridled humiliation and chomping at the bit to get done with it all. Boy, was he depressed when he got home. And of course, his wife Zeresh chided him for dishonoring the family. Well, the next day, the king and... went to Esther's for a drinky or two. Martini in hand, the king was in a great mood, and again asked Esther what she wanted, and it would be my royal command. Esther cried out, Save my life! Someone's trying to murder me and all my people. Save me, save me, oh please, please save me, save me. And the king, remembering journalism 101, said, What, where, how, when, who could do such a terrible thing? And Esther answered, This one, this evil one, this miserable misuse of human potential, Haman! Now Haman could see that he was in trouble big time and he started to bow down before Esther to beg for mercy. But he fell on top of her in the process. So Ahasuerus blurted out, What? How dare you try to force the queen? You're in deep doo-doo now. Sucka. And the king ordered his guards to take Haman out at spear point, and to stick him down deep into a dungeon. At that very moment, Harvona, a conveniently present and prescient royal eunuch, pointed out to the king, excuse me. What did he say? Your hugeness. What do you want to do with that gonzo pole in Haman's backyard that he built for the Jew Mordechai? You know, the guy who saved your life. At that moment, Esther admitted, and Mordechai is my cousin, too. So Achashverosh decreed, hoist Haman on his own prominent petard, and they did. Now the story's not quite over, and though there's not much more, there's still lots to come. It was unbelievably against Persian law for a king to change a decree. So the order to kill all the Jews was still in force. But Esther begged and pleaded, supplicated, implored, and beseeched the king until Ahasuerus couldn't stand it anymore, stopped the beseeching and the pleading and the supplicating. And he gave out a new decree, allowing the Jews to defend themselves, which they did with gusto and with everything else they could fight with. Amazingly, the Jews survived the battles in the 13th of Adar and all to another culminating, fulminating battle in the 14th in the citadel of Shushan. The king removed his ring from Haman's finger just before he was pulled and gave it to Mordechai, promoting him to Pubah. Oh, and the king gave Mordechai Haman's palace. Esther and Mordechai wrote to all the Jews of the empire that from now on, the 14th day of Adar would be an annual holiday called Purim, lots, a happy day of fast feasting and sending portions of food one to another, which is why we have the saying in Judaism, they tried to kill us, we won, let's eat. 
Now we have this song at the very end. It goes like this. La Yehudim Haita Ora, La Yehudim Haita Ora, La Yehudim Haita Ora, Vasimcha Vasasson Ikar, La Yehudim Haita Ora, La Yehudim Haita Ora. These words are not in there. Cain, say that, Cain. Thus, may it be Lanu for us. Cain, 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 Tihye Lanu. Cain, 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 Tihye Lanu. Cain, 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 I want you to look at the words, and I want you to sing it, and I want you to sing it as a Christian, and think of how I sing it as a Jew. So they're up there. The Jews in Esther's time had light, joy, gladness, and honor. So may it be for us. I don't know if you've ever identified that closely with a Jewish feeling before, but that's one of them. You're going to get to another one in a second. It's going to be really bizarre. What can we learn from all this? As it is written in the books, truth can be stranger than fiction. If we stand up for justice and not bow to evil... We are all Mordechai. We are all Esther. Apologize for my voice. It still hasn't healed from my surgery last summer. God willing, if you pray for it, it may come back. We're now going to do a song here. Achashverosh. Now I want you to practice this because it goes fast. Try saying Achashverosh. Achashverosh. Now try to do it a little bit faster. Achashverosh, achashverosh, achachashverosh, achashverosh, achashverosh, achachashverosh, achashverosh, achashverosh, achachashverosh. Now we're going to do the tell the story in here, but I wanted to let you know, in Poland, more Jews died than anywhere else during the Holocaust. In Poland more non-Jews than anywhere else tried to save them because more of them were going to be killed than anywhere else and because they were good people. I've talked to a lot of those good people and almost all of them said they did it because they were Catholic and what else could they do? They believed in God and they believed in a right way to be and they couldn't let people die like that. And when I hear people say that, you have to know that I've told Danielle and Kevin this before, that I've met Jesus. I watch him live in their deeds. And I've seen him do his things. Let's go save the Jews. Ready? Let's. Dateline Persia. 
Haman plots to kill the Jews. He makes a 13th of Adar, the day when all the Jews will die. Esther and Mordechai decide the Jews will fast for three days. Esther goes to see King Ahasuerus without an appointment. Esther invites King Ahasuerus to a party with Haman attending. Meanwhile, Haman makes a 50 of a tall tree intended for Mordechai. That first party, Esther invites Haman and Ahasuerus to a second party. This time, Esther tells Ahasuerus of a plot to kill her people. Ahasuerus asks, who is this whirligan person who wants to kill the Jews? Esther answers, it's Haman, and he's standing right there. Later, Haman's hanged on the same tree meant for Mordechai. The Jews are all safe and sound, and the anti-Jews are all rounded up. And tonight, we're singing lots about the story of Purim. Hag Sameach, happy Purim, everybody. I'm going to pass this, uh, it's a replica of what a roll scroll looks like, so pass it around. Imagine it's the Pony Express bringing decrees of being self-defense to everybody. Ari, thank you so much. You guys give Ari and the band a big round of applause. Ari and I have joked frequently over the last few years that every church needs a rabbi and every synagogue needs a pastor. (laughs) We we find ways to continue to share life with one another. And I just want to thank God for this moment, for bringing you to share the story with us um, in the way that you've shared the story for many years. And you guys, I, I hope you know what a privilege it is to be in a church that's welcomed into a synagogue and invited to learn and understand and celebrate the stories. So um, we're deeply grateful for you, Ari.